If you would, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings in chapter 7. 2 Kings in chapter 7. We're continuing with our series. We're talking about Elijah and Elisha. So it starts here. We're going to read from the and I, with my New Living Translation this morning. Now, Elijah replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, five quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and ten, coin, ten quarts of barley grain will cost you only one piece of silver. See, up to this point, there has been a famine in the land. Things have gotten bad. There is a famine. And, and, and so what he's saying right here, listen, not only is there going to be some food, but it's going to be cheap. There's going to be an abundance of food. Uh, there's going to be flour. There's going to be barley. There's going to be grain. And it's only going to cost a small amount of money, of money. Now, the officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't happen. Even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven, that couldn't happen. Even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elijah replied, listen, you will see it happen with your own eyes but you're not going to be able to eat any of it. Now, now, if this was a movie, this would be where it just kind of changes scenes and it flashes over to a new scene and it says this. Now listen, there was four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here just waiting to die? They asked each other. We will starve if we stay here. But if we go, uh, there's the famine in the city and, and we will starve if we go back there. We might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So at twilight, they set out from the camp of the uh, Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the, the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses. And the sound of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us. They cried out to one another. So they panicked and they ran into the night. They abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, everything else. And they fled for their lives. Now when the leopards arrived to the edge of the camp, they went in to one tent after another, and they were eating, and they were drinking the wine, and they carried off the silver and the gold and the clothing, and they hid it. Now finally they said to each other, listen, this is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait here until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back, and let's tell the people all about this. So there's this famine in the land. Now, if you're familiar with the story, uh, the nation's kind of been through it. First, there's been a drought. There's been a drought where there's been no rain for three and a half years. Now they're in the midst of a famine. If we were to look in, in chapter 8 and verse 1, we find out this famine has actually lasted seven years. So it's gone from a drought to a famine. Have you ever felt like sometimes in life that's how it goes? Things sometimes go from bad to worse. Things go from like, man, we just, we just finished this, this drought. We just got some water flowing again. Things just started getting better, and now all of a sudden there's a famine. Man, we just found the peanut butter. Where's the jelly? 
And there ain't no, you can't, you got peanut butter, you ain't got no jelly. You, man, you just fixed the pipes in the house, and then the air conditioner broke. And then whatever it is, you, like one thing gets fixed, the next thing gets broken. You've tried all you can do. Things are just falling apart. Man, it's bad. It's, it's a little like trying to get your kids in the car. If you've got multiple kids, this is almost impossible. This is an act of faith to get your kids in the car. Like, for me as a dad, I'll get one in the car, I'll get her, get her all buckled in, and I'll go to get the other one, and by the time I've gotten her in, where did the other one go? She just disappears. The kids just disappears. And it's not just kids. It's pretty much all women. I'm telling you. All of you guys know this. The second you walk into Walmart, your wife disappears. She is just gone. Oh, honey, I'm just going to grab some milk. The girl is gone. She just disappears. And we as men, we're like, we don't know what to do. We just kind of stand there. And we're like, I think she'll be back. But it's like that scary movie, I'll be right back. They ain't coming back. And, and like, if y'all know my wife, she's like barely five foot. And so I'm like looking through all the aisles trying to find her. That girl just disappears. She's gone. And the second I find her, I've lost the kids. It's like bad to worse. It just happens. And, and, and the people are in this. The, the, they've gone from an absolute uh, drought where there's not been a drop of water. There hasn't even been dew on the ground to now they're in a famine. And, 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 and all of a sudden, in the midst of this, we read this passage, and here comes this promise. And the prophet says, the prophet says listen, uh, I, I know all of this has happened, but... You, you're about to experience abundance. As a matter of fact, tomorrow there's going to be so much grain, there's going to be so much food in this place that you're going to get all of this for the price of, well, just one silver coin. And, and to which that's the equivalent of right now, whatever you're going through, whatever in your life seems impossible, it seems like you've been struggling or it seems like you've been going through something for years and years and years, and then God shows up and God tells you, I I'm getting ready to change everything. And let's be honest, sometimes we're like this king's assistant where we want to say, but really, God, I, I, I don't know if you can do that. I, I don't know if you've read these doctor's reports. I, I don't know if you know what all of the doctors are saying time and time again. I've been praying for my healing for time and time and years and years. And you're telling me that tomorrow? And, and so when this guy Here's this. I love the fact that every time in this portion of Scripture, they never say the man's name. They always just say the assistant. Because the fact is, it could be my name. It could be your name. It could be anybody's name. That when God shows up and he speaks to us, sometimes there's that thing in our hearts that just says, uh, I don't know. There's that moment where you've, you've come to church, and, and for some of you, this just might be the last straw. It's like just even the idea of coming to church, like that's the last place, but this is the final hope. This is the final draw. And even when the preacher preaches and he tells me to have hope, there's a part of me that says, even if God was to open up the heavens, how could that be possible? How could it be possible? We've heard all of those reports. And, and here's what's amazing, though, is, is he reacts like this, and like I say, I, I understand. Some of y'all remember there was this movie 
maybe in the late 80s, early 90s, I'm not exactly, there was this movie called Alive. And and the movie Alive was based on a true story of a uh, rugby team that this rugby team crashes in the, um, where? Indies, yeah, Indies. Uh, They crash in the Indies, and uh, they're they're not being rescued. I mean, it's turned into months of them just trying to survive. And it's a true story. It gets to the point where they're starving to death. And, the, and they get to the point where someone makes us think, well, we, we could eat the dead. And, and, and even just the mention of this, everyone's like, whoa, whoa. And, and, and the thing is, in this scripture, the, the chapter before, this is what it looks like. The famine has gotten so, so bad that there's actually cannibalism that's happening. That people are actually eating children. And and we look at that and we think to ourselves, whoa, how is that even possible? I would never do that. But here's the thing. If you've ever watched that movie, you've watched that movie, you've turned to the person that you're watching with and you've always asked this question, would you do it? Would would you do it? And I remember even actually me and my wife, we we watched this movie and we, you know, honey, would you? And and we're both like, I I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I would do in that situation if, if we're starving and then, I, and then this is the next part that you know all of y'all have done, is you say, honey, if you, if you need to, you can eat me, girl. It's all right. <laughs> do, what you, do what you gotta do. Do what you gotta do. All right. Y'all have had that conversation. If you've watched the movie, you know you've had that conversation. Don't get all holy because you're in church. You know you did. And we talked about, like, but here's the thing. Until you're in that situation, you don't know what you would do. Until you've gotten to that point where things have gotten that bad, you just have no idea. And some of us want to react and we want to think that, no, we wouldn't. And, and God, even if you were to open up the heavens, how could you do this? And, and then the prophet looks to him and tells him, listen, this is what God's going to do. He's going he's to open up the heavens. You're going to see all this, but you're not going to able to eat a bite of it. Because you don't have faith for it. You're going to see it, but you're not going to enjoy it. Has this ever happened? where you've seen God blessing everybody all around you, but you can't enjoy it. Everybody else seems to have this, well, peace, but I can't find it. Everybody else seems like, man, God has blessed them, and and God did this for them, and and we've been trying to get pregnant for 10 years, and it still hasn't happened for us, and how come it can't happen for us, and all of this, and I, I, I can see God blessing others, but God, I, I know you've, you've turned the drought into rain. I know you've turned the famine to abundance, but God, I, I don't see you having it. And the words that we speak are not words of faith, but words of doubt. Because God, after all, you could do it for them, but you can't do it for me. I, I've seen you heal other people's marriages, but not mine. You expect me to believe that you could, you could do something with, with my financial situation? You expect me to do something with, with all of, of my emotions? You expect that, that God could do something with this depression that I've been battling for years? No, not me. Somebody else can get free from it, but not, not me. And, and we see it happening. And here's the thing. When God speaks to us, and all throughout life, The only way to enter in, the only way to experience it is through faith. It's through faith. 
It says this in Hebrews 6, Hebrews 11:6, but without faith it is impossible. Not just not probable, impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. To simply have this kind of faith that God even in the midst of in the midst of my famine, in the midst of my drought, in the midst of you doing all of this God, I put my faith in you. And here's the thing, when it comes to faith, sometimes we have this mi- misconceived idea that it takes a whole lot of it. That it takes a whole bunch of faith for something to happen. But you know, that's not what the scriptures teach at all. The scriptures teach if you have a faith that's even like a mustard seed, if you've got just a little bit, you can move a mountain. See, but we've twisted it around. We think we've got to have faith like a mountain. And God said, no, 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 no. All you've got to do is have the mustard seed. Just a little bit of faith. And here's the thing. We exercise faith every day, whether we realize it or not. Uh, we have a couple in here that has just gotten engaged. Right here, this lovely couple. They're getting ready to get married. Benji and Anna. So y'all are all clapping. You know how much faith it takes to get married? You have no clue what you're getting yourself into. You can wake up and that girl could go crazy, son. You can wake up and that man could go crazy. I mean, every one of us, every one of you in here, when you said I do, you had no idea what you were getting into. You said something, till death do us part. That's a whole lot of commitment, y'all. But you exercise faith. Why? Because there was some love in there. Because of, I, I don't know. I don't know what may hold. I don't know, but, but girl, I know it's going to be me and you. There's a little bit of faith. I don't know what's going to happen five years from now, ten years from now. I don't know how God's going to work all of this out, but I know it's going to be with you. And see, there's faith in that. There's faith. You have faith every time you get on an airplane. Do you realize you are flying in a chunk of metal built by the lowest bidder? I'm serious. That mug was assembled in like 17 different countries. You are flying 500 miles an hour, 30,000 feet in the sky with some dude that put that together for $7 an hour. It takes a whole lot of faith to get on that airplane. I'm telling you, we actually, every time you eat at McDonald's, y'all, do you really believe that that's 100% all beef? That takes some faith to eat that cheeseburger. We exercise it every day, every day. And God says, like, it's this, it's this mustard seed. See, but the, the difference is you've got to plant that seed. You, 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 we can look at all of our surroundings. We can look at everything that's wrong in the world today. We, 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 could, we could criticize and we could say, man, how everything is going bad in America. Like, but God's saying, like, but I've given you a seed. I, I know you might not think it's, a mountain. See, all you got to do is plant that seed in me and watch what I do with it. See, when we, we, we put our faith, see, here's the thing. Actually, let me even read it to you in um, Matthew, Matthew chapter 17, where Jesus is talking that, and, and he, he's, he's being questioned, and uh, let me find it. Uh, totally off my notes here, but I got it somewhere. 17 and 20. Um, because the disciples are asking him, how come we couldn't do it? How come we couldn't cast out the esteem? And he says, listen, you don't have enough faith. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. 
If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible with God. So, like, there's this concept, and there is this idea that, listen, when we put our faith in Jesus, he can move the mountain. He can do it. Whatever it is in your life, he can do it. All it takes is us putting that faith in him. Just that little bit of faith. A little bit of faith is all it takes. And and here in this moment, in the midst of this drought, here we have the prophet saying, listen, if you'll enter in on this with faith, you're going to experience it. But because you've answered and you think that God couldn't do it, you'll see it all around you, but you'll never have a bite. You'll never have a bite. Planting it in God. See, I, I gotta be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm not this great man of faith. All I've got is a seed. And I've decided I'm gonna put it in Jesus. And when I planted it in Him about 19, 20 years ago, it just began to grow. And day in and day out, and year in and year out, it gets a little bit bigger, it gets a little bit more. Until the point where I've realized, listen, this, this whole thing about faith, man, I, I, I'm the type of person that I love to work things out logically. And when I hear the creation story, where I hear the story of Jesus, in my mind, I've gotten to the point where there's nothing that's more logical than the story of Jesus. See, whenever you're presented with this idea of either there's, there's a God who's created the heavens and the earth and everything, and, and everything is upheld by him. Or there's this concept or this idea that it was just a big bang, and things just magically happened. And there was a single-cell organism that mutated over millions of years, and we've somehow evolved to this place. It takes a whole lot more faith not to believe in God than to believe in God. And so that's why I love hanging out and talking to people that are atheists and agnostic, because like, to have that amount of faith to believe that there is no God, whenever your eyes are open to the truth, man, you, you're not, you're, you can't stop those people. Because all of a sudden they know, oh, wait, wow, psh, I've seen something like I've never seen it before. And faith grows, faith grows. Here's the thing about faith, though, as we plant it in him. Weeds grow faster than trees. Weeds grow faster than trees. It's easy, easy to just watch other things flash up and go, like, Sometimes the things that we plant in God take time. Sometimes you've got to move from living rooms to bowling alleys to battery places to senior centers. Sometimes you've got to move from battery port to battery port to battery port to now Jesus has done something and we can't explain it. But we've put our faith in him. And so this is the scene. And then it it, it switches and says, not only is this going to happen, but look at the people who God uses to bring about this abundance. He uses four lepers. Y'all listen, lepers in that day were the outcast of society. They were the worst of the worst. To the point, listen, if you were to read in the book of Leviticus, uh, the different laws that pertain to if you were a leper and if you had different skin disease, what you had to do, you had to, you had to walk around yelling out, unclean, unclean. I mean, everyone knew something was wrong with you. They put you out of the city. That's why they were at the gates. Because they couldn't go in. Nobody wanted to be around them. No one wanted to talk to them. These are lepers, and these are the people that God uses. God uses these outcasts to save an entire 
entire people group here, an entire city here that's, that's starving to death. Who's God going to use to do it? Some lepers. And I love the logic that these lepers have. They're standing there. They're at this gate. And they're like, all right, listen, boys. Things aren't too good for us. We're missing body parts. <laughs> things are, you know, we're hungry. We're starving to death. But here, here, here's the logic of these lepers. I love it. If we just keep sitting here, we're going to die. Yep. But if we go into the city, there's still a famine in there. We're going to die in there. Yep. We've basically got one option, boys. See, there's some enemies over there. They may take us in. They may kill us. So 100% we stick here, we die. 100% we go in there, we die. We go to our enemy's camp. We've got a 50-50 shot. Now, I'm no genius, but I'm going to take the 50-50 shot. These lepers are like, hey, we might as well give it a shot. Might as well go for it. And here's the thing. I think that God's saying the same thing today. You've got to move. If you just keep sitting and doing what you've always been doing, you're going to die right there. And you can't go back to where you once were. See, here's this lie that the enemy has told us. Sometimes we, we've hold this, this idea that the grass is greener on the other side. What the enemy's doing now is the, the grass has become greener back in the past. Your past were your best days. Your past is where it was all good. So if we could go back there, then it'll be all good again. And, then, and if we're not careful, we're trying to recreate our past. And God said, I'm not in that anymore. I've moved on. That grass is dead. If you go back there, you die. There's only one way, and that's moving forward. And that's moving oftentimes in a direction that you might not completely understand. I may actually be marching you directly into the camp of your enemy. Now that takes some faith. And that's the way that God works. And the thing is, 100% the other way, we die. 100% this way, we die. At least we got a shot. This mustard seed kind of faith. There's this, all of this, there's this temptation to just do nothing. There's this temptation to just sit and let it be. There's this temptation to go back. Or, this, this te or there's the idea of let's move forward with God. And when I looked at this, I thought to myself, this is a perfect picture of the gospel. The gospel comes to us and the gospel tells us, you've got to move. You've got to, you, you, things have got to change. I, got, I, 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 didn't, I didn't just come and die to, to make things better. I came and I died to make things new. And so you've got to move, and, and, and you can't no longer go back to where it once was. But the whole gospel message is come to Christ and die, that you may truly live. And this whole concept, this idea that I could die to myself and yet experience a fullness of life in Christ, that's mind-blowing. That's completely countercultural. That's completely counterintuitive to the ways that we've been taught. Because what we've been taught is, like, no, we, we, we've got to accumulate. We've got to get things for ourselves. We've got to look out for ourselves. We've got to do things for ourselves. We've got to have all of these things in order to have life. And God's like, no, 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 come and die so that you may live. And, and, and it's moving forward. And I just, the more and the more I thought about it, I realized, God, I am that leper. I am that leper. I am the outcast. I am the unclean. And yet, this is the person that you use. This is the one that you use. And I was reading about this, and I'm thinking about these lepers. I'm seeing them in this place. 
And I remember this scripture in Acts, in Acts 4.13, where uh, the disciples, I think it's actually Peter and John, have, have spoken. They've kind of given, given the gospel message. They've preached to a crowd. And, and part of the crowd's response is it says this. It says, and when they had perceived that these men, that who I just spoke, Peter and John, they perceived that these were untrained men. In other words, they looked at them and they were like, really? These guys? Like, these are the ones? Aren't, aren't these like some fishermen and some tax collectors? Like, these boys, these are some good old, good old country boys right here. And yet, we perceive that they have been with Jesus. See, there was something about them. There was something about Peter and John, like, I, I could just imagine, I could see Peter and John, like, they're not the sharpest knives in the drawer. They don't, like, if they were typing up some stuff, spell check would be on overtime. You know it would. Like, these guys, you know, Peter's constantly putting his foot in his mouth. He's constantly, even to the point of trying to re- rebuke Jesus. I mean, all of this, and God says, yeah, that's going to be my rock right there. See, he looks at the lepers, he looks at the outcasts, and he says, that's my boy, that's my girl. So I'm here to tell you this morning, if you're sitting in this room and you're messed up, I believe Jesus is saying, that's my boy, that's my girl, because I am that leper. I am that leper that has found the bread and has to stop and do just what these lepers say. Hold on, oh, we've got to tell everybody else what we have found, because we found Jesus. We found Jesus, and this is a good thing. We've got, we've, got to let, we've got to let everyone know. And yet, to some, they were perceived as just nobodies. It's nobodies. These lepers were forgotten. These lepers were overlooked. They were forgotten by everybody except God. They were forgotten by everybody except God. And God said, listen, I got something for you. And so these lepers come in, and in their walk to town, God makes this sound go forth through the nation that, hey, there's only four of them, but it sounds like a mighty army. There there are armies that are going to, and all of a sudden, the entire camp gets scared and leaves because of four lepers. Four lepers, and it clears out a whole place. They left their horses, they left their donkeys, they left their food, they left their gold, they left their silver. I don't know what it is. This sound must have been the sound of a huge army. And they're gone. And I believe God is doing the same thing today. I believe God is taking the body of Christ, and sometimes it's just one man. I'll tell you what, Billy Graham this week, man, what, what a hero of the faith. What, what a sound of an army from just one man. And, and the whole time, here's what I love uh, about this week when I've seen all of the post, posts about uh, of Billy Graham and everything. And every, every post that I saw, there was this certain celebration about his life, even in his death. There was such a celebration, and, and the scripture just kept coming to my mind time and time again, well done, good and faithful servant. Because he was faithful to the end. He was faithful. See, I don't, I don't think he got before the heaven, and it wasn't because of the millions and millions of people that he led to Christ. It was because he just stepped out in faith and did what God told him to do. He was faithful to the very end. And whether it would have been one person in one place or the entire world, he was faithful 
to the very end. And I think it's true for all of us. Now, we're not all called to be and do what Billy Graham has done. But we've got to be faithful what he's told us to do. And for these lepers, their job was to just move into a camp. All you've got to do is get up and move from this place to this place. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews, it tells us this heroes of the faith. You know what Abraham did? He just moved. Go out into a place I'll show you. Hero of the faith, father, Abraham. He just moved. The forgotten, the overlooked, the unclean. It's me, and here's the thing. It's you too. The Bible tells us that even on your best day, even on your absolutely best behavior, your righteousness is like filthy rags. I read this story this week, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. I read this story this week where uh, it was an account of what Mother Teresa was doing over in India, and she was caring for the unclean, the lepers, the outcasts of society. And there was this moment where Mother Teresa's taking care of this one Hindu gentleman. And he was actually a Hindu priest. And she's caring for him, and she's loving him, and she's cleaning his wounds. And the Hindu priest uh, looks, looks at Mother Teresa, and, and he looks deep into her eyes, and says, why are you doing this? Why are you helping me? Why would you do this? Why would you touch my wounds? Why would you touch my sores? And she looked into his eyes, and she said this, because when I see you, I see the face of Christ. Because when I see you, I see the face of Christ, and I'm serving Christ. And it starts with faith. Now I want to tell you where this story ends up. This story ends up where they've gone and the, the lepers have, have, have come and they've, they've plundered the camp. They've, they've, and actually, would everyone please stand to their feet? They've plundered the camp. The people are rejoicing. And then it, it says this. Uh, everything, ha- hold on, let me, uh, let me get exactly. So everything happened exactly as the man of God had predicted when the king came to his house. The man of God said by the king, by this time, to, to the, uh, by this time tomorrow, the markets in Samaria, five quarts uh, of choice flour will cost one piece of silver. Ten quarts, ten quarts of barley will cost one piece of silver. And the king's officer that had replied that this couldn't happen even if the Lord had opened the windows of heaven. Uh, and when he said that, this, you will see what will happen, but you won't be able to, to eat a bite of it. It says this, and so it was that when the people entered through the gate, the people trampled him to death at the gate. The very one had spoken this word. All of a sudden, it was Black Friday there, y'all. They opened the gates, and the people trampled this guy. He saw it, but he didn't enter. You know why? Because he couldn't plant his seed of faith. He didn't have enough to believe that God could open the windows of heaven. And I'm here to tell you 
that no matter what it is that you're going through this morning, God can open up the windows of heaven. All it takes is a little bit of faith. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org.